0: Welcome into the latest edition of the Sick Podcast with Draft Vogel. I'm John Vogel, your host, and today we've got a very special guest coming on with us, Jarvis Gam. Both out uh, with their do, dealing with their their things on their side. Uh, they'll be back in later on this week. But first, Shane back there in the studio. Let's get this thing rolling.
1: Turn up your body.
0: Volume Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. Podcast. With Draft Vogel. With the first pick in the 2021 NFL Draft. The first pick in the 2022 NFL Draft. With the first pick in the 2023 NFL Draft. The sickest NFL Draft show. It's gonna be sick. Sick. And we are brought, uh, the SICK Podcast Network is presented to you by DraftKings. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now to use the code SICK Sports, SICK Sports, just like the show, to get $200 in bonus bets when you bet just $5 on any NFL bet. We've got conference championships coming up. We've got the Super Bowl. It's your last chance to get in on the game day greatness, get on top of it, because guess what? The crown is yours. So, uh, my favorite player growing up, was Philip Rivers. And the reason that I love Philip was because he had this saying, and it was faith, family, football. And so my special guest that's coming on here with us today embodies that. I, I do truly believe he's a disciple of Jesus. He's Katie's husband, Jonah, Elijah, Micah, Anna, Isaiah, and Leah's dad, and a 13 year NFL veteran quarterback, Luke McCown. And so Shane brings him in. And uh, Luke, man, I'm really happy to have you. It's an honor to have you on here. How are you doing, dude?
1: Doing great, man. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. And so, uh, you know, I love that about your your Twitter profile. I just read your bio off to get to introduce you because I think that embodies exactly what that is, the faith, family, football. You start with your faith, you go to your family, and football comes after that. And you managed to make a 13-year career out of it.
1: Yeah, I fooled a lot of people for a long time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> i don't know about that
1: for a lot of I think, people I, I i had a conversation with a with a uh with a guy the other day that just you know I said man I, I don't i don't know how or why but i keep getting re-signed and i just keep pulling the wool over their eyes so it's <laughs> finally ran out they finally caught on to my my, my games after about year 13.
0: well it's funny because it's you know i always talk to eight ag- i talk to a lot of agents on the regular now at this point in my career and you know, one of the things that we always talk about is, oh, man, I'd love to have a backup quarterback. They all tell me that same thing. I'd love to have a backup quarterback. Just float around yeah. the league for 10 years and collect $60 million and get out. Like, that's yep. the way to do it now.
1: Yeah, not quite 60 million. That'd be great, though, but I'd appreciate that. That'd be great.
0: <laughs> That was a little before the cap influx, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right.
1: Some of these backups now, man, it's, it's, I'd, I'd, I'd go back if I could.
0: <laughs> No, so now uh, I wanted to talk about you and your career. I wanted to start off. Some people you know uh I think a lot of people remember you because you and your brother Josh both played in the league for a long time yeah um but when you get into uh you know like you you personally your career, tell people a little bit about yourself just as a little refresher, hey, who is luke you know uh what what did what would you, what did your career look like in the n f l
1: yeah um i I think it was um I think I was the guy that always had the ability to uh, to to do or, or become, um, you know, a, a a consistent starter. I don't know that I had the the ability to be a star, um, you know, but uh, but I always I, I felt like there was a period where where my my um, career could have taken the the Kirk Cousins turn right about. Um, year four or five, I had an opportunity there in, <clears throat> in, uh, in Tampa and, and, uh, there was a, a couple of things happened that, that uh, I'm not too fond of with, with coach Gruden and, and an opportunity that that was kind of pulled off the table for me. And, and, uh, and, um, and so it, as a matter of fact, I had a conversation with, with coach Gruden after this particular incident that just, you know, and I had, I had played in 2007, and played really well after coming back from a ACL injury two years prior to that. And played really well for about three or four games, and um, and, uh, and and showed what I can do. And want we want a big uh, for for the division crown. Actually, we beat New Orleans in New Orleans. Uh, I remember that.
0: I was, I was in Florida at my grandparents' house watching that game. Yeah. I remember yeah, that. Yeah. I,
1: I, I hold that over Drew's head quite often when I talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> only time I, I, uh, I bested him. Um, but, um, felt like I, I had earned the, at least the opportunity to, uh, to start and, and or, or compete. And, and that was kind of, uh, pulled off the shelf for me for, you know, for, um, turning down a contract that, uh, you know, in my opinion, it was before I would have hit free agency it was a low ball, and so, anyways, it was part of the business. Um, but uh, I, I had a conversation with him um, on a Monday morning. I'll never forget it. On a Monday morning, I, I met him in his office, and I said, "Hey, you're either going to hand me the keys to this this offense and this car, and I'm going to drive it, or you're going to find a different driver." And uh, and so that I, I always felt like I was right there. I, I could have um you know my career could have gone a couple of different ways but I don't know that I would have ever been uh, you know um uh, all pro or anything like that but I, I felt like I, I had the ability and the talent to to play and to start for for a long time and I had some untimely injuries um you know another, another ACL injury in 2010 uh when I was playing for the Jacksonville Jaguars I had a really good training camp. They brought me in to compete with David Garrard and we're in week two in San Diego and uh, San Diego speaking of Philip, they're, they're blowing us out. And so uh, they, they, they pulled David at the uh, end of the third quarter and I go in and play and we go down the field a few times and and score and really felt like there was going to be a change maybe the next week. And uh, with about 40 seconds left in the game, I blow my knee out again. And uh, that was just kind of, um, how my career went, it felt like, man, I'm, when I'm on the cusp of an opportunity uh, and untimely injury happens. Uh, again, 2015, I'm, I've been back up for the Saints for a couple of years now. Uh, and uh, Drew finally lets somebody else play week uh, three <laughs> against the, the Carolina Panthers. And, uh, again, I'm playing really good football at this time. Uh, you know, all the, the reps that I get through training camp preseason, I'm, I'm playing really good football and and, uh, and uh, play really well against the Carolina Panthers. We come up short on, a, on an interception in the end zone. Josh Norman catches the back end of the football, which is tremendous. And uh, and we come up a little bit short, but I, I play really well in that game. And you start hearing some murmurings again, talk about agents, start hearing things again like, hey, you're you going to get an opportunity to be a bridge for somebody um, in this offseason. And uh, about four weeks later, I rupture a disc in my back. And so it was just kind of always just right there, um, but I always felt like I had the ability to play. Obviously, you don't you don't stick around for 13 years if you don't have some amount of ability, uh, whether physical or mental or or a combination of both. And I think I had a little bit of both. And um, but uh, God was really good to me. I mean, uh, you know, who who sticks around for 13 years with only. 10 starts and two ACL injuries and a, and a ruptured disc in your back. I mean, uh, you know, those, those instances are reserved for guys that have played or started 20, 30 games. And for whatever reason, it just never worked out, but they're really solid, you know, in a, in a backup role. And and I never had that quite that experience. And yet teams kept signing me for some reason. So, um, I always felt like God had me in the NFL for more than just football. And, uh, I, I tried to use that platform to the best of my ability, and every time he he took me into a new locker room, I felt like it was a new mission field.
0: A, I think that's a great way to look at it too, because you know people don't realize as a quarterback in a locker room, you have a lot more influence than just what goes on on the field, right? I sure. Mean, you know, you're 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 one of the backup leaders essentially on the team because if things go down, you're going to have to take over the offense and you're going to run it, and. That's right. You know, and so that it, it's not even at that point. We're not even talking about just football. You know, just the fact of oh well, you have to know the offense too, and you have to kind of almost be like that second pair of eyes when you come over. And I don't. did You Absolutely. guys had the tablets back then, or were you still like calling up to the press box?
1: Well, did <laughs> get the info? i, I was old enough yeah. to all three actually. I was old enough to to do to, see? you know have a have a phone and 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 then look at the paper pictures and the tablets. So we we did all yeah. of them.
0: Yeah, it's, yeah it's, so you, you're an extra set of eyes over there where you're talking about that. And then even beyond that, you know, you're a, a presence in the locker room that people are going to have to look up to, you know, especially. 100%. Yeah.
1: It, it, backup quarterback's is the hardest job in the world. And, I, you know, quarterback is the hardest position in the world. But, you know, everybody's like, oh, you know, your backup, man, that's, that's, the, that's the, 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 the gig right there. You just kind of stand <laughs> around and hold a clipboard and get paid for it, right? And there's not a guy in the NFL that plays that's a backup that, that – wants to stand there. We want to play. And yeah. uh and um but but for all those different reasons we don't we don't get any reps. I mean I'm telling you once once the regular season starts you don't get any reps like used to um you might get some walk through reps or something. When I got to New Orleans I didn't take a rep not one. I mean from Monday to, to Friday um you know Drew you know so all my work came from running somebody else's offense on the scout team. And so you, you've got to be really sharp. Um, and, and, then, and then being able to navigate the locker room and, and um, uh, sh- showing them how confident you are in yourself, making them believe in you, uh, you know, without, without having the opportunity to, to do it on the field. And so uh, you've got to know what you're talking about when they when they come with a question. Uh, you've got to know, you know, have the, the, the right answer um, when somebody says, hey, what would you see on the side? When when Drew would come to me or Sean uh, would come to me, Peyton would come to me on the sideline and go, hey, w- what was that last coverage? What did what did that backside safety do or what? I've got to be able to tell them, hey, this is what was going on or it ruins all credibility for me on the sideline. And not only with it, but with an offensive lineman or with a tight end or receiver or whatever, you've got to be able to navigate a team the way a starter would without getting the same – without having the opportunity the chemistry the same way the starter does. And that's a really difficult thing. Um, and and, and uh, it's – it's I don't know if it's an art, but you have to care. You have to care enough to know, hey, I've got to show these guys there's that they, they can trust me they can trust me and if I have to play I'm going to give them give them a chance to win. And so it's backup quarterback is by far the I mean if we if we have an opportunity to play we're required and expected to play as well or better, you know, than the than the starter without any reps. And so it's a tough deal. It's a tough deal. It takes a special guy to be a to be a backup quarterback. I really believe that.
0: I want to go back to what you were talking about with the practice reps. And in this, in the situation in in New Orleans, so, you know, playing yeah. behind Drew Brees was cause you, you were kind of made the joke earlier. You said, Oh, well, Drew finally let me have a chance to play quarterback. Yeah. So was that, was it necessarily that the league is getting away from backup quarterbacks taking reps, you know, throughout the week, or is that just a Drew thing where he just wanted to be so, you know, focused and he was so dependable that they didn't worry about their backups.
1: Yeah, I mean that that's that's really the deal. And and listen, you talk to, um, you know, gosh, uh, the guys that backed up backed up Tom. You talk to Matt Castle or or you talk to uh, Dan Orlovsky. Right, Jimmy, right? right?
0: Jimmy, yeah, right? yeah. I
1: mean Jimmy, Jimmy G. You talk to any Pey- Peyton Manning? I mean, they didn't give up reps, and, and some of it was their competitiveness. They didn't want anybody else to take what was theirs, and rightly so. If if it was my job. Like I, I'm, I'm not giving up a rep. I want to be as prepared going into the game as I can be, uh, and so um, I, I don't blame them one bit. Uh, it's just you, you run into different guys that uh, you know wanted all the reps uh, and and just wanted that extra, really good feeling about you know going into the game, feeling really well prepared. And so I've never once. I mean, I was of course, when I got to New Orleans, it was further into my career, and I never once felt like, oh, I should be getting reps or, you know, uh, I'm getting shafted here or whatever. Never once felt like that. Um, you know, again, because I understood Drew's heart, and it was for the team, and he gave us the best chance to win. And as a teammate, I'm going, I want us to win. <laughs> and so <laughs> giving him every rep, if he wants to take every one of them, that gives us a better chance to to go out and beat Tampa, or or to beat Carolina or Atlanta or whatever, that gives us the best chance to win, dude. I'm I'm here to support you. That's my number one job, is to support you and then be ready to play if something were to happen. And so, um, didn't make it any easier for sure, but I, it was just it depended on the the guy that you were playing with or you know whoever the the, the starter was. Um, but uh, I, I think in general, most of the guys even now. Uh, from what I understand, those starters take every walkthrough rep, you know every seven on seven rep or, or, or uh, run period rep or blitz period rep and as well they should it's, it's, it's their job and uh, they they're, they're doing the best uh, giving, the, giving the team the best opportunity to win.
0: now after the NFL career and, and going into a post NFL. What does Luke McCown do now?
1: Um, well, I, I've got six kids, so I, I do a lot. Keeps you busy. Keeps you busy. I, I do <laughs> a lot of, of traveling to ball games and dances. Um, I, I do a little bit of coaching on the side, uh, quarterbacks in particular. Um, just to, uh, I'm a, I'm a quarterback connoisseur. I I enjoy watching good quarterbacks play. I enjoy watching young men. Um grow in their in their drive and their pursuit and and trying to get better at what they want to do and uh and so i feel like i've got a little something it it may not be much but i've got a little something to offer in terms of trying to help them be their best Uh, and then just trying to pour into young men Um, i think our our world is is desperate for young men to be leaders to um to be leaders in their homes uh, and to know what that looks like and, and, and how that is and where I'm at, uh, unfortunately, that's, that's, that's not the norm. Uh, in, in our little community here in East Texas, uh, far more the norm is the, the fatherless home um, or, or, or just where a, a dad, for one reason or another, is not in the picture. And so being able to, to do that uh, and, and give guys an opportunity to see maybe a different form of life than, than what they see every day. And understand that, that there's a different normal out there, and it doesn't have to be the way that, that maybe they perceive it to be. Uh, and so I I look forward to the days. Uh, I got I live on a on a ranch, uh, 400 acre ranch. So I do a lot of hunting and fishing, and and just kind of managing that, and and uh, it keeps me me uh it keeps me busy.
0: <laughs> I mean, the dad part by itself is nice. You throw 400 acres in a ranch on top of it, and like that yeah. we're talking. We're talking yeah. good times, but I grew up on 66 myself. It wasn't oh, a nice. ranch, but yeah, it's land and everybody around us had hundreds of acres. It was fun. Yeah, to, yeah that's, that's the best way to grow up too, dude. It's awesome. So, um, the reason that I really wanted to have you on is because, you know, you, you do still study the quarterbacks that are coming out.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and I've seen that on your Twitter account and, you know, with the different coverage that you kind of do, your perspective that you bring in. And one of the things that, that we'd like to do on this show, you know, is to get nerdy about how we look at prospects, how we evaluate the position. And quarterback is the most interesting position in all of media, right? It's the it's the position that gets all the glory. It gets all the praise. It gets all the fame as compared to a lot of these other ones. So, you know, um, and it's well-deserved. I mean, the ball goes through your hands every single play just about. Sure. I guess you could say, well, Wildcat plays or right. you know, direct snap somewhere else. But still... Yeah. You know, you're the, you're the conductor of the offense. So one of the things that I, that I noticed about you and the, you know, the analysis that you've been putting out this year regarding this upcoming draft class and the quarterbacks is that you've really liked Michael Penix uh, out of Washington. And so that was one of the things that I really wanted to kind of start to pick your brain about in terms of evaluating players uh, is what is it about a quarterback that is most important to you? When you're evaluating and you're trying to trying to figure out what this skill set looks like,
1: yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah, I I uh, I I really uh, kind of fell in love, if you will, with with Michael Penix Jr. this year, um, and, I, and I'm going to say it was probably in the first game, the first time they played Oregon. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he and he and Bo Nix both kind of went off and showed, you know, how how really good and special they can be, um, and I, and I like both of them. Uh, for a lot of reasons, but I really felt like as a pure passer, uh, Michael Penix was probably at the top of that list. I mean, when you're talking about Drake May and Caleb Williams and 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 Jaden Daniels and Bo Nix and, and and really the kind of this you know upper tier of five or six guys, I felt like Michael Penix was the most pure passer. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he may not make the the splash plays. Uh, we were talking earlier um that 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 a Caleb Williams you know kind of makes um but but when I when I look at a guy I want to know how does he work uh within the structure of an offense um you know I, I I was training uh some high school kids uh two weekends ago and um and I told them this we were they asked me some questions at the end of the session and I said listen there's not an offensive coordinator in college or the NFL that, that designs a play and says, here's number one, or here's number two. If those aren't there, just scramble around and make something happen. That's not offense. That's that, Nobody you know draws a play up or spends time watching film all week and comes up with a formation or a personnel grouping or a concept design and says, we're going to look there. And if it's not there, just run around and make a play. And and so it, it it's not a – it's not a, this is what we're going to hang our hat on, um, um, you know, type of a, a, of a thing when, you, when you're evaluating quarterbacks. I want to know, man, how does he work within the structure of the offense? How does he work within the structure of that concept? Is there, uh, is, he, is he processing and sequencing things in his brain properly? And when it's there, is he getting it out on time? Does his, uh, you know, does his feet match? Uh, the, the, the timing and the, and the, the progression does his drop and his footwork match the timing and the progression. And I really felt like Michael Pinks of all these kind of upper ech- echelon guys really felt like he did that the best. I mean, uh, you know, whether it was a slot fade or a a, 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 deep cross or they, they threw the heck out of these, um, we call them circus routes or bench routes, these 18 to 22 yard deep, deep out routes. They threw him. He threw the heck out of those. I don't know if I've ever seen anybody throw that as well as he did in college. And so uh, I, I just really felt like maybe you watch him play. Um, when you watch him uh, play, when, when number one's there, he gets the ball out. And he gets it out on time. And he's not the most fleet of foot guy. Uh, I know he's had two ACL injuries. So did I. I'm, and and I played 13 years, and and I'm I'm no worse for the wear. I mean, I, m- I missed some opportunities, but I don't think. And, and that, that's kind of the other thing that people are throwing out there as well. There's injury concern in this. I don't think people look at ACLs the way they did 20 years ago. No, I don't. No. I, you know, I don't. I don't see that. I, I see. I came back from, and this my first ACL was in 2006. So that's you know 18 years ago gosh whatever however long ago that was i guess that might be 18 no 18s oh. right
0: you're right on you spot on we okay. 2024
1: now <laughs> so, so there you go so um and and i was back practicing running doing all that full speed in 3 months so uh, i it, it's i don't think that uh you know it's it's kind of like this whole achilles injury with with aaron rodgers i think the just kind of the evolution of understanding the body and how it heals and and surgeries and the techniques done and all these different things can aid in the, the longevity post injury and so I don't know that injuries necessarily got to be a, a question mark for him. The guy plays and he plays at a high level. I think when he gets next to the uh, Drake Mays and the Caleb Williams of the world, and I know, I think Mel's uh, uh, mock draft just came out, or at least his rankings, his big board. And Jaden Daniels was up there higher, I believe, than Penix and mm-hmm. and O Nick's both. And uh, but I, I think that when he gets in and stands side by side, it's going to muddy the waters in terms of arm strength. People are going to see, man, this guy throws it better than we thought he did. Um, I know it, it, you know, to the to the right handed mind's eye, it looks funny, kind of coming out and and all that good stuff. I've got a nephew who's a lefty, so I'm a little more used to seeing it. uh, I'm just really impressed with how he processes the game. I think he plays it the way that the NFL wants you to play it with the ability to move and create. I said this while ago. um, I had an opportunity uh, to sit down with Bill Walsh uh, way back uh, in in, uh, 2005. This was when I first got traded to Tampa Bay. And he talked about uh, Steve Young being this kind of wild stallion, this guy that came over from Tampa Bay that could do all kinds of stuff and make plays with his legs and just kind of this strong, athletic, uh, you know, kind of a, a wild horse kind of a player. And and Steve, uh, um, you know, really had a knack to make those types of plays, but Bill wanted to harness that. And, and it took him a couple of years to kind of get him to harness that and, hey, yeah, but we gotta play in sequence with this whole West Coast offense thing. We gotta play in time and in rhythm and then and then use all that other extra as a um just as an asset, as a tool in your belt. And so I always kind of I, I took that with me for years, but I always kind of felt like, man, it's it's a lot easier to uh help a tame horse run wild than it is a wild horse be tamed. I think it's going to be a lot more difficult uh, and maybe not a lot more difficult but I, I just think that when you watch a Caleb Williams his game revolves so much around getting out of the pocket and off platform and out of you know and and, and just kind of making a play and I don't have the all 22s of of college games, so I don't mm-hmm. you know I'm, I'm not sitting here telling you I know what their concepts were but I, can't oh, I can imagine tell I
0: can tell you what Caleb was running it was four verts.
1: Four verse. About every Just, you know, about four every five, play, <laughs> three, <four laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, it is play. the
0: worst scheme. It is the worst. And so scheme.
1: you know, it's it's hard to look at him and go, "Hey, when number one's open, he's hitting his back foot, coming off the hitch, and he's making the throw." And so I, you get used to playing that way. Is my point. You get used to playing that way, and you hang your hat on that. And then when somebody says, "Hey, we need you to learn how to play in structure, on time, and in rhythm," it's 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 like learning a foreign language. Because the moment something happens, you want to take off. And you want to just be that athlete and make that play. And so and, and I know that we've watched Pat do that for seven or eight years now, and, and he's phenomenal, East Texas kid. Uh and but it's kind of like I tell my son, my son's about six one, you know, 170 pounds-ish, whatever. And the whole thing this past offseason was Bryce uh Bryce Young, right? He's not that big and this. And I, I had to keep telling him, son, you're not like Bryce Young is a unicorn. The things that he can do, the the way that he processes the game at five ten, 185 pounds, that's not normal. So to to put Caleb Williams in the same sentence as and Caleb is wildly talented, but to put him in the same sentence as Pat Mahomes and say, well, look at all the different things that he can do, he can do what Pat does, is kind of like taking taking some of the the uniqueness away from Pat, like there's not many guys that can do what Pat does. And so I kind of look at it that way, like, okay, he's got some traits. Absolutely. He's got some traits and he'll probably be a fantastic pro. But when I start an evaluation and I'm not saying Caleb shouldn't be picked ahead of Penix, that's not what I'm saying. But when I start an evaluation, I want to see number one is, does he work within the structure of his offense? What's what is being asked of him? regarding the footwork the timing number one number two number three is he able to work through that or does he just rely on athleticism to help himself out
0: and that's i'm glad that you brought this up too because we've been talking all about that with caleb you can ask shane back there and you know behind this, the, the board right now but like you can we've been talking about this like all year with caleb yeah. and just the fact that yeah, we watched him come out there that very first game he ever played at Oklahoma, where he plays <laughs> Rattler, and comes out there and against Texas and falling down, throws that sixty-yard dot well, onto the front pylon. Like, yeah, it's unbelievable. But yeah. when you started to look at the Lincoln Riley scheme that we put up on a pedestal for a couple of years and said, yep. "Oh, look at how it develops quarterbacks," you start to realize like it really doesn't. You know, there's a lot of option routes. So I guess in a sense. You know, you can do that where, you know, you've, you've got an option as a receiver to based on the coverage that you're right. running. It's a four verse concept, but based on the leverage, you can go inside, you can run a post, you can sit, you can go outside. So yep. it's really about the quarterback being on page with everybody else, but it's still a four verts vertical concept and they don't yeah. run much else than anything else.
1: Yeah. Um, and, and I would say that, that an offense built around uh, multiple option runners in terms of, you know, is he running a post? Is he running a corner? He's going to snap it off and run a comeback or a hook. That lends itself to, hey, Caleb, just run around and make a play. There's not an offense in the NFL that, that tells their X or their Z or their, you know, their, their slot player, maybe their slot player might have an option here or there. Usually an option comes from maybe a, a, a running back out of the backfield on a, on a lookie or a halfback choice. Or or you, you 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 got a slot or a, or a tight end running a, a looky route, meaning he can cross face and run a slant, or he can break out based on leverage, and that's generally about it in terms of your option routes in the NFL. And so that's what I think that you know you got to wrap your your brain around is how's how's it he going to transition? And I think that he'll still be the number one pick in the draft. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah, but how's he going to transition from? being this wildly creative guy to an offensive coordinator saying, Hey, Caleb, we, we structured this play, this diagram to for the ball to go there. And uh, I just think that, that when you sit down and you evaluate quarterbacks, the starting point has to be how does he work in structure and in sequence and on time within the rhythm of the offense? Is it, is it how the, coordinator drew it up to be or is he just going off god-given talent and freelancing uh because we all know that in the nfl yeah that may work if you're a unicorn like pat mahomes there's not many of those on planet earth
0: so i guess my question for in terms of footwork um and evaluating footwork you talked about the feet being in the right right place when they hit that hitch step and they work back up or whatever, and it's just being set for the concept. How would you explain without, you know, it's a little bit harder. We don't have tape in front of us to sit here and yeah. be like, Oh, here's the feet. And here's how, what it looks like. But sure. how, what is, when you talk about these diff, give us a couple examples of evaluating footwork from that aspect in the sense well, of being prepared for a, a, a certain route or concept.
1: Yeah, for sure. So uh, I think I think CJ is a great example of that this year. Um, and there, there's there's a guy a- I
0: missed on. By the way, I just want to throw that out there. Like, take oh yeah, Wait, I was, listen, I was not high on him at all.
1: You're not the only. I mean, you know, certainly not the only one. There. And my brother's caught a lot of flack. Obviously, the the Bryce Young <laughs> deal and all that. Hey, listen, I don't. I, I, that, that I, think, I don't
0: think that was your brother's decision, though, was it? Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, for
1: sure. For sure. But but uh, I think I think. I think Bryce Young is going to be a great pro. I think uh, I think they've got some things to figure out organizationally, but he'll be a great pro. And CJ's off to a you know terrific start. But um, there's some things have changed over the years in terms of of uh, footwork um, and and what quarterbacks are comfortable with. You see in the college game. You don't uh, see very many static three-step drops. We're talking shotgun here. Static three-step or five-step drops in the shotgun because so much is play action or RPO or what we call a drag step where I'm literally taking one step back and I'm getting ready to throw. Um, I tend to look at it like – and 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 my thought process about footwork changed. I shouldn't say changed, but I've got two separate – Two separate views here. Uh, growing up in the West Coast offense the way that I did, your footwork mattered tremendously. Your footwork told you when and where to throw the football. Um, that's why everybody considers the West Coast a, a very quarterback-friendly offense. It helps you make decisions. It, it, it literally helps you know when I should throw it and when I shouldn't. Uh, now your eyes obviously got to be in the right spot and all that good stuff, but your feet. Based on the drop, the timing of the drop the hitch, the hitch count, one hitch or two hitch, tells you when and where to throw the football. And it really helps you process the game quicker. When I got to New Orleans, uh, also a West Coast system, but uh, Drew uh, took what I would use as a three-step drop, say on um, on a drive route where we've got a shallow cross and a dig. Or, uh, or, or all go special where we got four verts from trips. He would take a quick five step where I would take a a three step. And so he felt so much more in rhythm. If he went one, two, three, four, five coming off the hitch. And I felt more in rhythm kind of lengthening my drop and being under control. And so, uh, I, I kind of learned to go, okay, drops aren't always one size fits all. Uh, because the, the the speed at which your 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 natural instinct or, or the the um, your your body wants to play the game, at, it's just different for everybody. Um, I, I told this to those same kids I was talking to, uh, quarterbacks I was talking to. Everybody always gave Peyton Manning like a lot of a lot of uh, grief over his footwork in the pocket. Like he he would chop his feet before he threw the ball, and and Tom would get back there and almost stand flat footed. And just kind of wait, and but but when you look at how they both played the game, you can read that in their body. Like Peyton was always like, listen, you know, he just he kind of played it at a hyper fast, and Tom was just kind of just wanted to play it kind of calm and cool, right? And so, um, I I I think it. Now I think there's a starting point in installing an offense, and and uh, when I when I when I want to throw, let's go back to the. The eighteen-yard bench route. When I want to throw that, if I'm in a shotgun, I want to take five and one hitch, and it's got to come out on one hitch. Some guys are like, you know what? I want to take a slow three, gather myself, and and anticipate that and throw it um, a little earlier. And and the guy with a bigger arm is going to go. I, I'll never forget uh, Josh, my brother, played with Jay Cutler, who had a you know tremendous arm, and uh, he said, man. Jay would just wait for it to come open and then he would just hammer it as hard as he could. Like that's a luxury. You know, not many people can do that. And so, um, but I, I think there's a starting point when you're installing an offense, certainly where your, your footwork needs to match. But at some point the offensive coordinator has to go, okay, this is how he flows in the game. This is how he feels it. This is how his body naturally feels the flow in the rhythm of the game and in uh, and, in and, and the rhythm of, of this player, this concept in particular, uh, I know that was that was the case with with Josh and and Bryce uh, in Charlotte this year. Bryce is not very much of a traditional drop back guy. He'll take maybe two steps or kind of a shuffle back and be ready to throw the ball. But you look at it and 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 what he did at Alabama, and that's how he played the game. His yeah. his natural flow is just very calm and cool, and and that's how he processes the game. And so. Uh, footwork is definitely not a one size fits all, but there's there's a starting point. If I were an offensive coordinator, there's there's certainly a starting point to this is where we're going to begin with, and then we'll figure out who you are as we get comfortable in this offense.
0: That's fantastic because that, that's not it's not one thing that I've I've considered specifically about footwork, and that's why I was asking because it's interesting. My evaluation of Penix is much different than yours at this point. Right. And I think I'm going to yeah. go back and I'm going to go look at a couple of things. But, you know, because I, I get caught up in, uh, I guess, what some people call the minutia, right? Yeah. Um, the, I look at the extended release with Penix and the fact that sometimes it really takes a while for the ball to get out. Sure. Uh, I look at him struggling to deal with pressure. You know, I think that when you look at out, after that Oregon game, they go through the rest of the Pac-12 schedule. They put up some leads early. And then they're yep. fighting and struggling to hold on at the end of the game because they're the, the line is wearing down the rotations on the defensive lines, getting to him and is yep. moving him off his spot. And that was one of the things that kind of concerned me about him, too. Right. Yep. Um, because. But but operating within an offense, that's a really good point that you do bring up in the sense that that is a, that is ultimately the quarterback position, you know, yep. Um Whereas it's really easy to get caught up in the the tools of a guy. Hey, I can get outside of the pocket and I can make these throws and I can improvise and I can extend plays, you know, with my feet and keep that play alive. Yeah. But really at the end of the day, it's how you, how you operate within an offense. So that's one thing I'm also going to, I'm going to be down the mo at uh mobile this next week, the senior bowl. Okay. Yeah. Michael's going to be there. I'm excited to get a chance to see him in person. Finally, that should be a good time. Yep. Yeah. Um, but now I've got something to go look at and I'm interested now and I appreciate yeah. it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I I, 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 I'd be, uh, be interested to, to hear your analysis coming back. I just think that, that, um, you know, when you go back to the, the semifinal game, uh, and, and, uh, in particular, man, that, that first drive, uh, he comes out, he, he, he throws a, a deep cross. That's just yeah. I mean, phenomenal. Um, he, he evades. That's a, the fastest
0: release I've ever seen him make, too. Oh, ever. man, I'm telling you. <laughs> it came he out, avoids, and he wasn't uh,
1: set. Yeah, he, he avoids a uh, a rush from the left side, dips his shoulder, gets reset real quick, flips it to a, 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 a dig or a basic cross that kind of set up in front of him. Uh, here's what I like most about Penix is that <clears throat> I always heard Drew say that he never felt like a, a receiver was covered. It's kind of a strange thing to say. Like, yeah, I don't really feel like he was covered. I felt like I can put the ball in a spot that gives him a chance to catch it. Regardless of what the secondary, regardless of what the DB is doing, uh, I I feel like I can give him a chance to catch the ball. And when you look at Penix, uh, in particular with his location on back shoulder throws, uh, slot fades, um, these deep crosses are – he threw a pylon route. We call it a pylon. It's just kind of a, a high corner route, but from your outside receiver in that in that first drive uh, in the semi game, that's just unbelievable. And it's uh, you mm-hmm. couldn't walk it down there to him any better. And so uh, I think his his ability to locate balls, I believe, is different. Uh, I, and and he had a tremendous wide receiver cast. I, that's. Um, you know, uh, that, they're, all be be, they're, they're all
0: going to be, be NFL ready. players. Yeah. I mean, they're all yeah. going to be NFL players.
1: I mean, they're all going to be NFL players. I think uh, to your point about uh, fighting to keep leads late in the game, I don't feel like they <laughs> they ran the ball particularly well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then in the national championship game, uh, I just that defensive line in Michigan wore everybody out. There's some, I mean, there's they,
0: something else too. Yeah, they're, too. They're,
1: they're, they're tremendous. There's there's probably a, a a first rounder in that group, if not two, mm-hmm. and and they'll all be draft picks. Um, so, uh, but I, I I don't I don't disagree with you. Uh, I just I feel like that Penix as a pure passer is probably going to shock a lot of people uh, when when he when he you know gets side by side with a lot of these these top tier guys and 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 throws the ball, um, you know, and and then I think that the amount of football that he's, that he's played, uh, you know, speaks volumes. Um, now it compares to Bo Nix, I mean, who started 60 games, like who does that in college, right? 60 some odd games. thats crazy. But I said this a couple of years ago, I think it's an under appreciated um, uh, asset in terms of evaluation, the amount of, college football a guy's played yeah it needs to be higher on the board when when we're evaluating quarterbacks for top 10 picks it just does the 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 guys that that have played a lot and have seen a lot of football are generally going to do that doesn't mean they're going to have the best career they're going to do better early i promise you that they're going to do better early and so uh that that's got to be something uh that that uh You know, it has to be a criteria that's valued more in terms of of, uh, when we're we're placing guys at the top of the draft.
0: Luke, man, it's been a pleasure. Absolutely having you on here and chatting with you, breaking down some stuff, picking your brain and hearing some of the stories, too. Uh, You can follow Luke at Luke underscore McCown on X, formerly known as Twitter. Uh, Is there anything else that you want us to put out about you before we let you go?
1: Oh, man, it's, uh, I enjoyed the heck out of it. Just uh, keep spinning it.
0: Absolutely. And so uh, that's going to do it for the Sick Podcast today. Shane, let's go ahead and get us out of here. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Draft Vogel on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.